1887, a young man attended a meeting where a famous preacher was preaching, and it came to the part of the evening where anyone could stand up and share a story of what God had done in their lives. The young man rises up out of his seat and begins to tell his story, but it's not like everyone else's. He hasn't yet experienced his miracle. He hasn't yet seen God move in the seemingly impossible situation in his life. And this is what he said. I'm not quite sure how God is going to do it, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. In the room that night, there was another man, a musician, who was so moved by the young man's words that he jotted them down on a piece of paper and sent them to a pastor friend of his called John Samus. John Samus was also deeply moved by the words and together they ended up turning them into a song. Fast forward 100 years, an 11-year-old girl singing her heart out at church, her favourite hymn, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Fast forward another 32 years, and that young girl is now a pastor at Catalyst Vineyard Church, and it's still one of her favourite hymns. Only now it means so much more and carries so much more weight as I seek to follow Jesus with my whole heart. We are here now in the final week of Reboot Camp, where the goal is to get fit in the faith. We are following the story of Joshua and the people of God as they learn what it means to follow God with all their heart. And there's no doubt about it that obeying and trusting is a big part of that journey. Trusting God and obeying God are meant to be at the very core of the Christian life. God invites all of us to put our full weight, the full weight of our lives on him, trusting him, doing what he says to do and going where he wants us to go. And Joshua seems to have nailed this. Whenever God says something, Joshua does it. No questions asked, he just does it. And what I want to know, and maybe what you want to know, is how. What's the secret? How is it that Joshua has gotten to this beautiful place in his relationship with God where it's become easy to trust and easy to obey every time the Lord speaks? I think that's a place we all want to be. So grab your Bible. We're picking up the story in Joshua chapter 6. The Israelites have just crossed um, the River Jordan into the land promised to them by God. They've finally made it, but they've hit a wall, literally. They are camped outside the city of Jericho, whose walls are known to be impenetrable. Um, everyone thought Jericho was unconquerable, and yet, well, let's read. Joshua chapter 6 from verse 1. And the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Sounds familiar. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. 
When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward marching before the Ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. I'm just going to jump to verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. I'm trying to imagine this. I'm thinking about somewhere like Edinburgh Castle and walking around the base of that huge rock and looking up at those impenetrable walls and then all of a sudden imagining them just crumbling as if they were made of sand. It's unthinkable. Yet this is exactly what happened when Joshua trusted and obeyed God. An unbelievable miracle happened. And if we look at verse two, where it all started, God says to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. I wonder if Joshua was thinking on the inside, all I can see is an unconquered city with giant walls and no way to get in. This is a city that was built with the sole purpose of keeping people out. And the Lord is, I think, stirring Joshua's faith at this point and saying, see in a different way. Um, don't look at the walls. Look beyond the walls to where my promise lies. Don't look at your circumstances. Look beyond your circumstances to the promise that I made you. Don't look at the impossibilities because for me, nothing is impossible. He's saying to Joshua, keep my promise in front of you. See with your eyes of faith. 
The Bible says that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we do not see. We are called to be people who can see things that no one else can see. People who see with their eyes of faith. People who see with a different perspective, a different lens from everyone else. A way of seeing what lies beyond the walls of impossibility and holding on to the promises of God even before they come to pass. That's faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it actually says that faith pulled down Jericho's walls. I think when it comes to the promises of God, we're all standing at a wall and we have a choice. Either our vision hits the wall and stops there or um, our vision goes beyond the wall and holds on to the promise that God has given us. And I believe the Lord would say to us, lift your head, lift your eyes, see beyond the wall, keep my promise in front of you. Because if I said it, I will surely do it. God had given Joshua a promise that wherever he set his feet, God would give him that place. And Joshua stands before this wall and uh, says, I'm not quite sure how God's going to do it, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. So you see, if faith is all about the unseen then trust is about the seen. It's about the known. Hopefully, we all have someone we know that we can trust. And we know we can trust them because we know them. We have evidence. We have proof of their character. Trust is leaning on someone's character. If you've ever been to a like a team bonding event, um, you've probably done that exercise where you have to um, have your back towards someone and then just uh, lean back into their arms, trusting that they will catch you. And uh, that becomes a whole lot easier when you know the person who's catching you and uh, you know that they will catch you every time. Joshua knew God. He knew God's character. He had experienced God's faithfulness over and over again. He had learned over the years that God is utterly trustworthy in everything. And I think that's the key. I think that's the secret. I think that's why Joshua found trusting so easy. He knew God. He understood God's nature. Do you know God? Do you know God is love? that he cannot and will not um, act out of any other motive other than perfect love? Do you know that God is um, omniscient? That just means he is all-knowing, past, present, future. Do you know that God is good and everything he does is good? Do you know that God is omnipotent? That means he's all-powerful. Do you know that he is for you, not against you? That he is full of grace and mercy? That he is kind and compassionate? Do you know that he can do impossible things that we can't even think of or imagine? Knowing all of that, knowing God, why wouldn't you put the full weight of your life in his hands? Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Knowing him leads to trusting him. And trusting him leads to obeying him. I um, used to work as a photographer. And a number of years ago, a lady contacted me to do um, quite a big job. She was starting a new business and she wanted some photographs. And I was going to get paid £500, which was, which is a lot of money. And um, we were due to get paid that day. But I was out walking my dog and I heard God say, tell her she doesn't need to pay you, that you'll do the job for free. And it was one of those moments, I don't know if you've had them, where you're just like, no, 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 no. You didn't just say that, God, please, no, God, no, that wasn't your voice, God, no. God, you know we need that money. This is not, um, we're not going to spend this money on fancy things. It's not savings. It's not surplus. We need that money for food and bills. And I burst into tears at the thought of losing out on that money. And I was upset at God for asking me to do it. I pretended that I hadn't heard him say it. And I got myself worked up into such a state. And I thought, I know, I'll phone Mark. He's sensible. His dad was a banker, you know, very sensible to do with money. He'll definitely say, don't do it. We can't afford it. So I phoned him and I told him what I heard God said. And I was just waiting for him to say, well, of course, we're not going to do that. Instead, he just stopped me and he said, well, Julie, if God said it, then do it. Praise God for a wise and godly husband. I did it and I would love to say that I was filled with joy, (laughs) but it wasn't easy. But do you know what? God is so kind and so gracious. The next day, Mark phoned me and said um, that his dad had randomly put £500 in our account. He didn't know what had gone on, but he'd just done it just because. I learned a whole lot that day. I learned to trust more that day. I learned to obey when God speaks. And I can honestly say a number of years later that obeying God gets easier the more you do it. It can actually even become a little bit addictive. You long to hear the voice of God. What's he going to ask me to do? And then you get that buzz of excitement of following through. Obedience to God is so much more than just following orders. It's a key that unlocks miracles. It unlocks God's power, his promises, his presence, his purpose, and all the other P words. Obedience is evidence of where our trust lies. And Joshua's lies firmly in God. In verses three to five, God lays out this unusual plan to Joshua. He says, have a, have a wee walk around the city once a day, every day for six days. And on the seventh day, do it seven times while shouting at the top of your lungs. Now, nowhere do we see a verse that says, and Joshua turned to the Lord and said, thanks for your input there. But how about I put my full military experience to use and we'll just put the trumpets um, away for now And instead, we'll pick up our weapons and take the city by force. That would be the sensible thing to do. But that doesn't happen. Joshua 
puts aside all his ideas and lays down his expertise and gets on with what God has said to do. He doesn't question it. He keeps God's promise in front of him. He sees with eyes of faith. And even though the plan must have seemed ridiculous to a seasoned military man, Joshua has concluded that the best place for him and for the people of God was to be right in the centre of God's will. That's the sweet spot. That's where impossible things become possible. I heard someone say that when you have a promise from God, stepping out in faith and obedience is the most logical and reasonable thing that you can do. So much hinges on our obedience. God speaks to us and then he says, your move. You know, we, in that moment, we can trust and obey or we can go our own way. That's not a new version of the hymn. One last thought around this story. I imagine that for some of you watching, you would say, I do trust God and I am being obedient but it feels like nothing is changing. The wall is still standing strong. And I wonder if that's how the Israelites must have felt at the end of each day of marching, wondering if it's worth their while doing the same thing faithfully, day in, day out, exhausted, perhaps on the verge of giving up, perhaps starting to believe that the wall would never come down. Do you know, I believe that God sees your desire to be obedient and he says don't lose heart don't lose heart you're not forgotten I haven't forgotten my promise to you when God's promise seems like it's on the other side of the wall keep marching God is looking for people who will keep marching until the seventh day not giving up on the third or the fourth or even the sixth day. He's looking for people who will keep marching until the seventh day. He's looking for a church that will march faithfully with one another, arm in arm, who will praise loudly until the cracks start to appear and the bricks start to come tumbling down. Imagine a church filled with those who can rise up out their seat and say, I'm not quite sure how God will do it, but I am going to trust and I am going to obey. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, for those who are facing a wall right now, would you remind them of your promise to them and give them eyes to see, eyes of faith to see beyond the wall. Please, Lord, come. Lord, for those who feel like they've been marching for a very long time, 
Give them courage to keep going, Lord. And I pray for the seventh day to arrive. I pray, Lord, for walls to come down in Jesus' name. Come, Lord. Pray for strength to go on. Thank you, Lord. I've I've just remembered that there's a line in this story that you could easily miss. Um And it just says, all this time, the trumpets were sounding. In other words, they were worshipping through the whole thing while they waited on God to move.